The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Aiden O'Connell, and you're listening to Roster Watch. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Top 10 Thoughts. I am your host, Cody Carpentier. You can find me on Twitter at CarpentierNFL. And it's Monday night, November 13th, and we're back to talk a little bit about Week 10 of the NFL season going into Week 11. Some things have changed. Some things have not. Some things stay the same. And uh, we've learned some things. You know, A couple things that I'm not even going to mention during the Top 10 Thoughts and I feel like I should because I'm, I'm do that is Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs continuing to build with this Minnesota Vikings roster. They play the Denver Broncos on Sunday night football in week 11. I'm looking forward to that one. Something that did not make the show sheet today was the Jacksonville Jaguars throttling uh, on behalf of the San Francisco 49ers, 34 to three. We talked about that one and almost covered it to a T on the SiriusXM Channel 87 roster watch show this week and myself and had Maddie Kiwam on there with me. Well, Alex was out in the woods failing to get an axis. Failing to get an axis. Alex, get your ass back out in the woods. Uh, so Jacksonville getting throttled after you know a big five-game win streak against Atlanta, Buffalo, Indy, New Orleans, Pittsburgh. Not overly impressive stuff. And then one game that everybody knew how it was going to finish was the 17-and-a-half-point spread between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. And the Dallas Cowboys throttled the Giants 49-17. Those notes did not make the show sheet. And the final one, I guess, will be the Buccaneers beating the Tennessee Titans. That game, I, I didn't learn too much about. It was really a Mike Evans big big takeover game. Uh, will Levis was on his back a lot in this game. Will Levis, when he wasn't on his back, was not completing many passes uh, a handful of which were uncatchable for his receivers. So not a great day in the yard for Will Levis, not a great day in the yard for Tennessee overall uh, when we talk about that. Uh, Bill Belichick did indeed make it back to the United States after their game in Germany this weekend, and they lost 10-6. to Again, 10-6 to against the Colts. And some of the Colts improved to 5-5, and uh, improving their way up the AFC South standings. The Colts are now 5-5. Five and five. The Texans, who we will talk about here in a minute, at 5-4. and four. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, whom the Houston Texans have already beaten once, are at 6-3. and three. Houston is just a game back <clears throat> of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's jump into it here. I got the top 10 thoughts, and they're coming at you right now. Gooner Boy in the chat, I appreciate you popping in here. As always, Gooner Boy, you are an OG. First and foremost, the number 10 thought from week 10 going into week 11 has to begin and end with the franchise quarterback game. We talked about it last week. The guys that we labeled 
not franchise quarterbacks, right? That's the Mac Joneses, the Kenny Pickett's, the Jordan Loves, not franchise quarterbacks. And the guys we labeled franchise quarterbacks last week, the obvious one was C.J. Stroud, but the other covered one was Sam Howell. This week we're back with a couple of more franchise quarterback questions, right? Atlanta, this is the most obvious one, right? Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke. Ritter was benched a few weeks ago. Heineke comes in, brings a little juice to the roster. Neither of these guys are the answer. Everybody kind of knew that, but they knew that they were going to get the opportunity, right? Ritter's only been playing for 10 games. Heineke gets hurt. Ritter comes back in. They don't get the win. They lose to the Arizona Cardinals. Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, you mentioned it four weeks ago on Top 10 Thoughts. Desmond Ritter will not be the quarterback week one, 2024. Further staples this, stamps us into the ground. I'm not even sure at this point if this team com- continues to play and compete how they are. I'm not even quite sure Arthur Smith is there uh, in 2024. I mean, given the talent that this roster has, <clears throat> the, a lot of this has to kind of fall on the coaching. And this is the year of all years to, of course, everybody knows the last couple of off seasons, the, the attempt at Deshaun Watson, the attempt at Lamar Jackson, the ability to go and get Anthony Richardson, the miss on Justin Fields years ago, like all these opportunities to get these quarterbacks. If you wanted a dual threat guy that can run, we're always there. Atlanta is literally one game back of the New Orleans Saints. And when you watch the Atlanta Falcons, they do not look like a team that can compete for a playoff spot. So Tampa is uh, sorry. Tampa sitting right between there at four and five. Atlanta's four and six. New Orleans five and five. Desmond Taylor Heineke, not franchise quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, though, on the other side, Kyler Murray, Making a case. We talked about this as a potential thing coming in. Everyone's talked about the top five picks. Oh, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be there. They're going to take Caleb, and they're going to trade away Kyler Murray. Not so fast, my friend. Kyler Murray comes back. No knee brace. No knee brace. 335 days off since his last game. He comes in, and on the biggest play of the game, third and 10 with a minute 40 left, they're down by one. He scrambles for I think what it, I think the total that Next Gen came out with was either like 68 or 67 total yards where he scampered and looked like the old Kyler Murray. I think they're going to end up winning a couple of games. I talked about this. I think they're going to end up winning two, three games with Kyler, and they're going to be stuck at that four and thirteen area, maybe five and twelve. I really don't know if they get to five and twelve, but four and thirteen would make sense. And they're going to be sitting at like seven, eight. They're not going to end up with a top three pick, so they're not going to end up getting uh, themselves a Caleb or a Drake. And I think that's going to only double down on the fact that they gave Kyler the money. Kyler looks competent in this offense. They're going to continue to roll with Kyler. That's their franchise quarterback. Zach Wilson, on the other hand, I saw, I heard uh, some whispers early this season, right after uh, Aaron Rodgers went down, or even before that, let's let's say, where Rodgers was patting Zach Wilson on the back. He said, you know, I like what Zach brings to the table. I think, you know, in a couple years when he leaves, or when Rodgers leaves, Zach Wilson will be able to step in. I know that happened a little bit. The transition was kind of quick where it went Zach Wilson, Rodgers, right back to Zach Wilson. But I tell you what, what we've seen outside of Zach Wilson's ability to get his legs moving, I have no hope for Zach Wilson. It's not there between the ears. He's on the sideline. Yes, he's asking Rodgers questions, but whatever he's asking him, he's not able to comprehend and get through because it's just not working. Uh, he has shown his, his ability for us in fantasy to get the ball to Garrett Wilson at least. But as far as uh, Zach Wilson long-term – I don't have any hope. Uh, so we're going to say, no, Zach Wilson's not a franchise quarterback. And the fourth one here, the final one, Jared Goff. Jared Goff deserves some praise. We're going to talk about Jared Goff in a couple of minutes. He's, he's another thought alone by himself. But Jared Goff stamp, st- just stamped himself, I think, over the course of this first nine weeks as the quarterback for 
the Detroit Lions. I know they drafted Hendon Hooker, and I remember over the over the offseason it was, you know, who's going to be the bridge? Are they going to roll with Goff as the bridge? Are they going to bring somebody in? I think Hooker's going to be sitting there for two, three more years, and if the contract roll right and Hooker looks good, potentially they move on. But if I'm the Detroit Lions with this roster, and if you can continue to hold Goff for the contract that he has and not overpay him, Goff runs this offense so well, and he's so efficient. And I tell you what, man, I'm I'm – I'm a Jared Goff believer. So there's a uh, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, franchise quarterbacks stamped guys that are out. Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, Zach Wilson out. Those aren't news breakers, but that's just my thoughts. As far as the franchise quarterback game goes, number nine, overall CJ Stroud. We talked about last week, last week is officially a top six dynasty quarterback. This week, my thought is CJ Stroud is officially a top five quarterback in football and he's on mvp watch i think I've, I've seen quite a few people on twitter bring up potentials of mvp he's risen monumentally over the course of the last three weeks in the mvp race as he should be just remember no rookie has won the mvp since jim brown in 1957 jim brown the og of all ogs uh won it back in 1957 but cj stroud when you actually when push comes to shove and you're sitting here looking at these quarterbacks and you're like all right if i'm starting a team today or if you're even talking about just being like the quarterback like what quarterback do you want in this situation I'd be hard-pressed not to say C.J. Stroud at this certain point. And this can be a large, large, large conversation right now we could have. I don't really want to have that big of a conversation right now other than just saying, like, name the guys you'd rather have than C.J. Stroud if you're starting a franchise right now with what we've seen so far. Patrick Mahomes, maybe Joe Burrow. That's where I'm at. I said top five here because I I can I can understand it. I can see people's thoughts on – on Hertz, especially for fantasy, Josh Allen for fantasy, but I'm talking about NFL football. I think Hertz is also in there. I love Hertz. I love fucking Jalen Hertz. But as far as top five NFL quarterback long term, I think I would roll Stroud. I think I'd roll Burrow. I think I love Patrick Mahomes. I think Herbert puts himself in the conversation. It's a small number. It's a small number. Snowman in the chat says Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. Exactly. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. I, I personally don't have Allen that right there, right? For the NFL side of things, for fantasy, 100%. But for, yeah, but that's where I'm at. AR, love AR. I think there's still room to grow, obviously. For fantasy, it's 100%er. But I'm talking right now for purely NFL standpoint. If I'm starting a roster today, the quarterback that you want, uh, I, I just love what I've seen out of CJ Stroud. The, the thing is, so this is where I'm going to tie it right here. I had this conversation with Matty Kewum last night. We did our watch along on the Executives of Fantasy Football YouTube channel. It's free. You can go over there on Sunday Night Football. We kick off right when the Sunday Night Football kicks off at about 8.20 Eastern time, and we go for at least the first half and then a little ways into the third quarter, depending on how the game goes. Anyways, last night during that, I was talking to Maddie, and basically the, the, the line we tied was C.J. Stroud right now, what he's doing with Tank Dell and Noah Brown and Nico Collins – and and Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce for what he's done this year. What Stroud's currently doing is as if Joe Burrow is the, so the Tank Dell right. Tank Dell was a third round pick this year. Charlie Jones was a fourth round pick. Charlie Jones and Tank Dell both four three guys, both route savants, right? Thirteen hundred yard seasons, both rookies. It would be as if Joe Burrow had Charlie Jones. She just started has Nico Collins. Okay, cool. Let's give let's give Joe Burrow T. Higgins. All right. Noah Brown. 
Noah Brown in that Houston offense is like uh, a poor man's Tyler Boyd. All right. Tight end, Schultz, Irv Smith. Schultz is better than Irv Smith. I get it. Running back, Mixon. Everyone thinks Mixon's monumentally better than Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce, right? So there's your there's your line tight, right? Who's the name I didn't mention though? Joe Burrow has this this crown on top that his name is Jamar Chase, who was his college teammate. Like imagine this CJ Stroud with his college teammate. Imagine this CJ Stroud with everything he's got around him: Dell, Noah Brown, Nico Collins, the backs, uh, the tight end. Add in Marvin Harrison in there. Imagine that. Like, you don't even need that, and we're already having this conversation with C.J. Stroud with this beat-up team, a team that has won four games and three games for the last four years, and he's completely flipped the script with this team. And and honestly, from what he's shown us so far, this is going to be a playoff team. This is what this looks like right now. This team looks like they turned the corner, and if I had to bet on the stretch run, I would bet on the Houston Texans against Jack- – Like, and again, I've talked about Jacksonville the last couple of weeks, how they've turned and they've flipped the script and they've been able to pressure the quarterback, get the quarterback, and that's what's caused them to win games. But again, Houston already beat Jacksonville this year, and Stroud's proven that he can go toe-to-toe with any of these quarterbacks. It doesn't matter if it's Burrow. It doesn't matter if it's Lance – or sorry, not Lance. Jesus, Lord. It doesn't matter if it's Lawrence. It doesn't matter if it's Burrow. It doesn't matter. They beat the Saints, they beat the Bucks, they beat the Bengals, they beat the Jags, they beat the Steelers. They had a tough loss in week one against the Ravens. That was his rookie debut, of course, week two against the Colts. They did have a two-point loss to the Falcons, which stings, and they got beat by the fucking Panthers of all teams. But we're going to see this up-and-down thing all year. If I had to bet on it, you're probably looking at 8-9, eight, 9-8 nine, nine and eight type of a situation. The schedule is not tough rest of season, though. If you look at what the Houston Texans have, Arizona this week, Jacksonville, Denver, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. It is not tough rest of season. You could really see this team kind of kind of put a little stretch together here and win win five, six games consecutively. And all of a sudden you're talking about a team that's sitting at eight and four, nine and four, and it's a whole entire different conversation. And I think at that point, CJ Stroud would 1,000% be in the MVP conversation, though he is already there. Remember, though, the stat is no rookies won MVP since the late Jim Brown, 1957. That's the only rookie to ever win MVP. Number eight thought of the week, is CeeDee Lamb in tier one of the dynasty wide receivers? And this is not to take anything away um, from Jefferson and Chase and their talents and their abilities and what they bring to the table. It's more so about CeeDee Lamb. Lamb is 69 days older than Justin Jefferson, so really nothing. They're the same age. Lamb doesn't have Jordan Addison. He doesn't have TJ Hawkinson in his offense, and he has a stable quarterback situation for the next four years. The thing about Jefferson is Jefferson has Addison, he has Hawkinson, and he doesn't have a stable quarterback situation because it's currently Josh Dobbs, and I love Josh Dobbs, but he is not a stable quarterback situation, right? At best case scenario, he turns into a Geno Smith type of thing, and that's like a year-to-year type of a thought, right? Geno Smith has even fallen off. Does Kirk Cousins go back there? Possibly. That does leave the door open for Jefferson to continue his build. But my thought is, is CeeDee Lamb, has he closed the gap on Tier 1? For me, it's always been Jefferson Chase, Tier Down, Lamb. That's the like that's the gap. And then you can start talking about the Amon Ra's, the Wilsons, the Browns, and that next conversation but Jordan Addison, when you put the stats side by side with Jordan Addison 
And Devonta Smith, I can pull it up here on Twitter. I probably should have had this one prepared, but I didn't. Let me scroll down here and quick. So the, the the numbers are – why I bring it up is numbers are comparable. Through their first 10 career games in the NFL, Jordan Addison, 45 receptions, 603 yards on 68 targets. Devonta Smith, 42 receptions, 603 yards on 66 targets. Almost doppelgangers. Jordan Addison has three more touchdowns during that same frame, but they literally both have 603 yards in their first 10 career games. Addison is doing all the damn things. Plus Hawkinson's there, plus Jefferson's there. And I'm not saying Jefferson's going to like fall off and suck or anything. But all I'm saying is I think that the, the gap has been tightened um, by Mr. CeeDee Lamb after a, a just dominant performance. I think he's got 500 yards over the course of the last, uh, I don't want to say three games. I think it's the last three games, though. I have to pull it up here. Des Bryant's doing a brand new uh, – uh, account and he was posting up the tweets. So the last three games, yes, 11 for 151, 11 for 191, 12 for 158, just some all time shit. And then you go all the way back to September, he had 11 for 143. So that's uh, now five games this year with over 110 yards. He had 117 against the Chargers, four straight games over 110 yards, three touchdowns in that time frame. Like CeeDee Lamb is dominating right now. He is in his own. He's 50, he's 25 yards away from hitting 1,000 on the season. And again, there's still eight games to go. So uh, thoroughly impressed with what we've seen from CeeDee Lamb so far. And I think CeeDee Lamb has indeed closed the gap and, and kind of taken that next step as an alpha wide receiver. Number seven, Justin Matabuke is on a fucking tear. And do you even know who Justin Matabuke is? Justin Matabuke is fifth right now in the NFL in pressures. He is 33. He trails Dexter Lawrence, Aaron Donald, Quinn Williams, and Jeffrey Simmons. Those are the names you know. Justin Matabuke is next in that line. He's the Baltimore Ravens defensive tackle playing next to Michael Pierce. Michael Pierce has 22 to add to that. Justin Matabuke has eight and a half sacks this year. He's been on a tear, like I said. The next best defensive tackle, Chris Jones. All pro Chris Jones with seven. Matabuke is a fucking unit. And he has been a key cog in this defensive line. This this defense by itself in Baltimore is kind of one of the reasons that they've continued to do their to, to be a dominant football team despite not having this air raid offense. Uh, in Baltimore, Baltimore currently has 39 sacks, which is eight more than the Chiefs and Chargers, who have 31 this year. Matabuke is on all pro pace right now at the defensive tackle position. Like I said, eight and a half sacks in 10 games is one of the most impressive things that I've seen from a defensive tackle literally right next to some of the seasons we've seen from Chris Jones and Aaron Donald and and Dexter Lawrence. Last year, Dexter Lawrence was the most underrated uh, defensive tackle in all football this year. It's Justin Matabuke and it's, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to watch and he is just a, a menace to say the least. Number six, This is the Jared Goff conversation right here. Jared Goff deserves more MVP conversations. Jared Goff has, whether you like it or not, been the glue, been the key, been the cherry on top, to the whole fucking thing in Detroit. Nothing works. People know this. Nothing works without a competent quarterback, right? We've talked about the football teams of yesteryear, the fucking Kyle Bowlers and the Jake DeLomes and all these guys that can get to the champ, get to the NFC championship, the AFC championship, or potentially get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl and be a, be a, 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 a barely competent quarterback. Jared Goff 
The Lions are seven and two. Goff's having a career year from efficiency, from QBR, and he's seven and two. He's had a winning season in six out of eight years. And again, remember, this is a number one overall pick right now. This Detroit football team is gonna win four is gonna win fucking 14 games. Have the Lions ever won 14 games? The Lions have never won 14 games. They've they've won 12 games once. They went 12 and 4 in 1991 with Barry Sanders. 2014, they were 11 and 5 with Stafford. They had literally are 7 and 2 right now. This team's going to completely trump through 12. 12 and that would be 12 and 5. That means they have to go 5 and 3 rest of season. I don't I don't I don't know how that happens rest of season. This team's fucking great. It's it's a fucking good football team. And you really notice it when the announcers, or it was Romo and Jim Nance on the call this weekend against the Chargers. And that was a fucking big boy football game. You can say whatever you think about the Chargers. I don't love them. The talent is there, but that's a big boy game. That's a big boy quarterback in Justin Herbert. And they went toe to fucking toe to the end. 38-38. They got him down there. They kicked a game-winning field goal. And the thing I'll remember, and I respect Tony Romo and I respect Jim Nance, and what they said when they went off air was, there's a good chance we see this team in Las Vegas. And Las Vegas is, of course, the home of the Super Bowl this year. So I just think that Goff needs to be conversed a lot more in MVP odds. And I'm going to – I wish that the I wish I could see MVP odds in Virginia because this is hella annoying. Uh, let's see if I can find them on Twitter. The latest NFL MVP odds. One hour ago, Patrick Mahomes plus 275, Jalen Hurts plus 300, Lamar Jackson plus 600, Joe Burrow plus 1,800, Brock Purdy and CJ Stroud plus 3,000. So Brock Purdy's up there, but no Jared Goff. That's interesting. Looks like Jared Goff is in the 3000s area as well. He's uh, below Dak Prescott, below Christian McCaffrey, and tied with Trevor Lawrence at plus 3300. If you can if you can go out there and you can find a number like this in, in a state that allows MVP betting, Jared Goff plus 3300 and CJ Stroud plus 3000, I would I would I would love to put a little bit on each one of those guys because what they're doing right now at the quarterback position for their teams. If Goff can get the Lions to a 14 and and three season or a 13 and four season, or or Stroud can get this team from four wins, four wins, three wins, up to a 10 and 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 seven season or a nine and eight season, both of those guys are going to be top four by the end of the game, by the end of the season. And they're going to knock guys like Lamar and Tua and Josh Allen out of the way. Dak Prescott out of the way. These guys if nothing else, are just going to return you a sick value uh, with upside to dethrone guys like Mahomes and Hurts, who really haven't taken a monumental step this year as to say, I'm the fucking MVP. They just haven't. The two most impressive guys right now are Stroud, Goff, and Burrow. I don't know why I said two and I said three names, but those are the three most impressive to me at this current stage. So I think that's very important. Jared Goff, this is, a, like I said before, the Lions have won 12 games once. They've won 11 a few times. This team right here could win 14. Reminder, please click that like button, click subscribe here on YouTube. We appreciate you guys. 
Alex and the Trashman will be live tomorrow with the Waiver Wire show at about 2.30 Eastern time. Please click that like button. Like I said, it is absolutely free to do so, and it helps us activate the algorithm, get boosted on other pages, get seen by more people so we can grow this channel up to over three, four, five thousand 5,000 subscribers because that's the long goal. The long goal is to always grow, and we grow through you. So we appreciate you guys for doing that as well. You can also go check out patreon.com forward slash executives. You can join the discord with 2024 draft content only continuing to cook over the course of the next six to eight months. Undercovered Ops is my weekly show that comes out on Thursday mornings. The new cuck score. Thanks to Maddie Keywoman's cornerback rankings and my wide receiver rankings. Hey, Hey, showed out in spades this week with CD lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown as the top two plays of the week. And they both smashed, Weekly rankings, Dynasty Top 300, Cornerstone rankings for the 2022 through 2025 classes. It's all over there. Patreon.com forward slash executives. The link is in the comments of this video. Number five, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs are the best teams in football, and we didn't even see them play this week. I think San Francisco was the only team that deserves to be in that next conversation. We've just seen too much back and forth from everybody else, even San Fran. But when San Fran's 100% healthy, they deserve to be in that conversation. Luckily, after weeks and weeks and weeks of shitty football on Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, Monday night this week, we get to see Philadelphia in Kansas City, both teams coming off the bye. Both teams should be as healthy as they will get over the course of the next two months. Eagles, Chiefs, Monday night. Who the fuck's the best team in football? We're going to find out on Monday night. Number four. This will be an interesting one for you because this is one of the hottest teams in all of football right now, the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm kind of happy about that. I will say, as a Viking fan, about a month and a half ago, I was kind of getting a little happy because I was like, hey, we just lost to the Chiefs. We're one and four. Let's talk about Drake May. Let's get this conversation rolling. And then they rip off five wins, two with Josh Dobbs, and they're sitting at six and four with uh, Denver Chicago Raiders. Denver Chicago bye week, then Raiders. Three winnable games that they put these guys at nine and four. Not something I thought we'd be discussing at this point. Per PFF, the Minnesota Vikings now have the number one pass blocking offensive line in the NFL. Number one pass blocking offensive line, according to the PFF, in the NFL. Now, run blocking, I would have thought, and I clicked on it, and I go, yeah, run blocking. The run blocking is going to be like 27th. Run blocking, the Minnesota Vikings are third in the NFL according to PFF. Third. The Vikings rushed for 125 yards this week against the New Orleans Saints. That was their third best rushing performance of the season. To start off this five-game win streak, or I should say before the, that, so they've won six of their last seven games. The first win of the season was against the Carolina Panthers. They rushed for 135 yards. Then it took five weeks. They go to Atlanta, and they had Josh Dobbs play. 146 yards rushing was the most rushing yards they've had as a team all season. Then this week, they rushed for 125, which again is the third best performance of the season. Their best rushing performances as one-offs this year. Madison rushed for 93 and 95 yards against Carolina and the Chargers. The third best performance comes from Josh Dobbs' 66 against Atlanta last week. And then the fourth and fifth performances this season, overall through 10 weeks of Minnesota Vikings football, 
Ty Chandler runs for 45 yards against the Saints and 44 from Josh Dobbs against the Saints. That is the rushing game for the Minnesota Vikings. The fourth and fifth best performance of the season come in week 10, 45 from Chandler, 44 for Dobbs. I don't know how this is the third best rushing offensive line in football. They haven't looked that way, but since I will say since Dalton Reisner came or went to the Minnesota Vikings, they've looked completely different. Ed Ingram has upped his game. When Darasaw plays, he is looking like Trent Williams-esque. The offensive line looks good. They did lose Jordan Hicks this past week, and they signed Anthony Barr today. So we'll see kind of what that looks like with the defense. But I do think Brian Flores does start to deserve some flowers. As you can see, over this win streak, they've allowed 13, 17, 10, 19 points in four of the five wins. And the fifth win, of course, against the Falcons, they give up 28. But this defense has been very good for uh, a good part of the season, and that's a, a big, big reason why they've been winning is the offensive line and the defensive unit along with, of course, what everybody knows is Josh Dobbs. Number three, how mad are the Dallas Cowboys right now? And you're like, why would the Dallas Cowboys be mad? The Dallas Cowboys could be mad because they at one point had Noah Brown, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. Now, again, they did choose to keep the best of the bunch. I get that. CeeDee Lamb's better than Cooper. He's better than Brown. And we just talked about CeeDee Lamb going for 500 yards over the course of the last three games. But what Amari Cooper has done this year with Deshaun Watson and P.J. Walker, like if you just look at Amari Cooper as a one-off right now, 41 receptions, 715 yards. He's averaging 79.4 yards per game. That is the second best yards per game total of his career. This dates back to his nine-game stretch playing for the Dallas Cowboys that first year when he was traded from Oakland to Dallas. That nine-game stretch, he averaged 80.6. After that, it dropped down to 74.3 in 2019, then down to 69, 57, and then he got traded to Cleveland, 68, and now this year, 79.4. Amari Cooper, in his age 29 season, is having the best yards per game, total yards, total output season of his career. Again, I understand the contractual stuff. He was due $20 million, et cetera, et cetera, but they did trade him to the Cleveland Browns. Now, just imagine if they would have made room for him instead of a guy like Zeke. That's where I'm angling right here. Noah Brown, back-to-back, the last two games combined, 13 receptions, 325 receiving yards. He's averaging 20.9 yards per reception. Again, I understand they have Brandon Cooks. I understand they have Justin uh, Jalen Tolbert. I understand they have Michael Gallup, but these guys are not on this level. Brandon Cooks just had a 170-yard game this week, but again, that was his first time doing that in a couple of years. Noah Brown was on this roster last year, and they just chose to let him walk. Noah Brown's averaging 60.7 yards per or sorry, 87.8 yards per game right now, 439 yards on the season. Last year, he had 555 for the Dallas Cowboys. They let him walk. Are they mad? That's the question. Are they mad at all? They went out and spent money on Brandon Cooks. They flopped with Gallup. They flopped to this point, really, with Tolbert. Tolbert's starting to turn the page, but you could have kept Brown for probably a reasonable contract. You could have continued to pay Amari Cooper instead of Zeke, and you could have moved on to Pollard a little bit sooner and got somebody cheaper. It's just all about uh, 
what what my my angle is here is not fucking fantasy football. My angle here is NFL ops, right? Everybody knows you should never overpay the running back position, and everybody knows the reason Dallas played paid Zeke was more of a NFL angle, selling tickets. He's the guy, and it kind of flopped and failed on him. When in reality, they could have kept Amari Cooper out of that deal. They would have never had to go out and get a Brandon Cooks. They would have never had a leap in there. All I'm saying is, is there a chance that if they kept Amari Cooper, that this trio finally hit this year with Amari Cooper, age 29, Noah Brown, age 27, after coming off 555, and Lamb in his elf estate could be something the Dallas Cowboy fans are upset or, or or missing are going to regret not having. I don't know if, I don't even know if the Dallas Cowboy front office is, they have to be looking back on that and be like, well, we have more Michael Gallup, but Michael Gallup really hasn't done uh, what these other guys have. Michael Gallup had one good season. He just hasn't warmed back up, I guess, per se. Top 10 thoughts. Number two here, the 2024 NFL draft class is proving to be a complete and utter anomaly. The top five leading wide receivers in this class, Puka Nakua, 827 receiving yards. Puka Nakua comes in at 200 pounds flat. He doesn't make this conversation. It's the guys after him. These five guys I'm going to name off, including Puka, average 180.2 pounds. Puka Nakua, Jordan Addison, 603 yards. Zay Flowers, 545. Josh Downs, 523. Tank Dell, 510. Tank Dell's 165 pounds. Addison's 175. Downs is 175. Flowers is 182. Anomalies at the wide receiver position. At the running back position, Jameer Gibbs is doing the damn thing. Despite people saying, should have traded him. He's Garbo. Why'd he go top 15? He's 200 pounds and he's dominating. And he proved to you last week, Detroit, who we talked about a minute ago, they did the damn thing with these running backs. Gibbs. Three receptions, 35 yards, and five targets. Montgomery, no targets, but Montgomery, 12 carries, 116 yards rushing. He blitzed a 75-yarder. Gibbs, 14 carries, 77. I expect the rushing uh, carries as Montgomery gets healthy to go back that direction, so it's more closer to like 18-8, not 14-12 in favor of Gibbs, 18-8, and you still get some, some receiving output out of Gibbs. But damn it, Gibbs looks good, 200 pounds. Tyja Spears, 200 pounds. Keaton Mitchell, 191 with 4-3 speed and a, another banger of a week for the Baltimore Ravens where he, he he's showing weekly that he deserves to be in the lineup. A 39-yard run. He had a touchdown in this game. He had a reception for 32 yards. He has burst. He has explosiveness. Keaton deserves to be here. Devon Achain, 188 pounds. He's back this week off of the IR. I know he's banged up, but the most efficient running back of all time as a, as a rookie. Jaleel McLaughlin, undrafted, 187 pounds. This class has been an outlier. I, I just want to remind myself and remind you, so in six months when we're going to the draft class, it's like, well, 180 pounds, well, fucking Aching could do it, or, or Dell, 165 pounds, Dell could do it, so that means that everybody can do it. These guys are route savants. We talked about Addison, and we talked about Dell being route savants. We talked about Flowers being a dog. We talked about Downs being puny, but being very shifty and Tyler Lockett-like. These guys were all special. We talked about all of these guys through the process. McLaughlin's the only one that we really didn't talk about at all during the process. He's 187. He's an outlier. A-chain, the speed, uh, one-cut speed. Keaton Mitchell, the versatility, explosiveness, and 4-2 speed. Spears, senior bowl guy, and Gibbs, 
just a hyper talent. But what I'm trying to say is this class is an anomaly for body type. This could happen again next year, year after year after. But what I'm saying is we got to pump the brakes because this was a fucking outlier of a year. <laughs> Number one thought of the week, and this is for the rest of the season, Damian Pierce mentioned struggling to pick up Bobby Slowick's playbook and compared it to a second rookie season. He's also dealing with an ankle injury. Doesn't seem to be the case for Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary rushed the football 30 times. 30 times. 3-0 against the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. 3-0. 30 rush attempts for the 5'7", 203-pound running back out of Florida Atlantic, Devin Singletary. 150 yards rushing on the ground, 40 yards more than his career high, which happened last, or two years ago, I should say two years ago in January, 23 carries for 110, two touchdowns, 30 carries, 150 yards and a touchdown in his first opportunity to start for the Houston Texans. The number one thought of the week is Devin Singletary, the league winner in fantasy football. Damn it. If you think CJ Stroud has a chance to win MVP, I think Devin Singletary has a chance to be the league winner in fantasy football. Tune in tomorrow, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. The Trash Man and Alex Dunlap will let you know what they think about Devin Singletary, Keaton Mitchell, and Ty Chandler, and any other running backs that you may need for the stretch run of fantasy football. I'm Cody Carpentier. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. I appreciate you. Until next time, I'll see you.